Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, oh, it's a really wonderful episode, this one. Um, I chat to Rebecca Callard. And it's an utter joy, and you're going to get a lot of fun out of this. Um, we talk all the all the usual stuff, and we talk about some great records, and, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before um, we start that chat, just a quick few thank yous. Um, big thanks and love to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Uh, and if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track then once you've listened to this chat with rebecca um go and explore the back catalog because there's 250 episodes um if you like more chat with great actors then you can hear me talking to maxine peak joe hartley amanda abington if you like your music you can hear me talking to chuck d Fatboy slim tommy Lee and motley crew mel Cedar the spice girls and if you like your comedy James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams. Like, there's this stacks. Go and have a, a, a little look in the back catalogue, and I'm sure you'll see plenty of chats that um, you're going to want to press play on. And if you'd like to support the podcast, um, that's amazing as well. And you can do that uh, by heading over to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash off the beaten track. And there, there's another few hundred episodes that have never been released to the public, so you can get access to all of them. And I put up weekly radio shows, video episodes, and that's about 71p a week, I think it works out. Um, and you can find out about all the back catalogue on the on the normal releases and all the back catalogue and all the new stuff that's happening uh, on Patreon at your one-stop shop, which is www.com off the beat and track podcast.com beat and not beaten right that's all the uh, the pre natter waffle done and uh, we can now get on to today's episode oh, it gives me loads of pleasure to say this please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with rebecca callard it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network me stew with him okay we're recording sitting opposite me today via the means of zoom rebecca callard hello hello you're right yeah i'm all right are you yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm all right we've had a we've had a quick now we've, we've not met before um i think you you're we've got a few mutual friends i think you 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 um you're friends with some people that have been on here um 
you mentioned Joe Hartley uh, in in one of the messages and uh, put an episode out with Joe last week and uh, which has been one of my my most well received episodes people have have just fallen in love with her and uh, she is so ace she is ace <laughs> well um before we get on to to talking records Rebecca, i just want to ask you a, a a couple of things because it's impossible not to uh, address the situation that we're all living in we're recording this at the end of january um in the thick of whatever lockdown number it is now. And is anyone even talking about tears now? Are we just done with that? Is that just like, just, yeah, you're not allowed out basically. And, and so I just want to know how you found the last 10, 11 months, um, as, as both a human, uh, and, and as a creative. Um, I found it pretty hard. I haven't had, I haven't lost anyone. Um, and I, I know a couple of people that have lost people. Um, so it's impacted, it hasn't impacted me in that way. But I've got two sons. They both turned 13 and 15 in lockdown. Um, yeah. One was in November, one was in January. So I think it was the first day of lockdown that Sonny turned 15. Um, so I've just been really trying to focus on them and keeping them upbeat which is not a natural disposition for a teenage boy anyway um creatively I've been very very lucky because I have embarked on a new career of writing so I have actually had some work um which I think if I hadn't I'm not sure where my head would be yeah um, I can be quite a sort of, well, I'm a massive warrior. So, you know, if my head's let loose and the washing machine sort of goes on its full cycle. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just, it is tough. It really is tough, but it's just like I've got to keep going um, for my boys. Not saying that if you, you, you know, you don't have boys, you, you know what I'm saying. But, yeah, of um, course. Of course. Uh, my, 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 I don't want them to sort of sense that in me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I'm I'm getting a bit sick of my house, for sure. Like, I'm yeah. sure everyone... Yeah, I'm, I, I totally get that. And it, and it is the younger ones. My, my, my daughter turned 18, uh, like, wow. in November, and... Wow. I mean, surely she should have been throwing up in a in a gutter somewhere, like you know, chucking up all sorts of alcohol pops, falling no. out of a club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I yeah just think, you know, I've, I've kind of done that, and that's out the system. And and you know, I just think to be eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, and not being able to do what young people do. That yeah. must be really difficult. Yeah, that's a that's a really difficult age, isn't it? Because at fifteen, I'm sort of like, at least I can monitor where my son is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, eighteen is when you really start going out, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, and how is she? Hold up? She's fine. Like, but but then again, it, it is quite strange. I mean, I, I look at how they are, like her and her friends uh, and her boyfriend, and they're. The whole thing that we're doing this over Zoom now and we're, you know, whereas I, I guess normally when you'd communicate with your friends, if you wasn't seeing them, you'd just phone them up. Maybe that's our generation. But I just found that my kids had just been FaceTiming each other for like a couple of years anyway. So it was no great shakes. Most of the time their socialising seems to be done on their 
devices, whatever they are, you know, rather than, you know, right, should we go and hang out over the park? That doesn't seem to be happening as much through my experience. So I think they've found it easier than, than I thought they would. But I do think, you know, we're, we're fast approaching a year into this and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely starting to see just the, the, the cracks appearing everywhere, really, because it's, it's not a situation that any of us were prepared for or, 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 or ready for. And by our very nature, we're, we're sociable creatures, aren't we? And it's, it's, yeah. it's nice to go and, and have a natter with someone. But this, this kind of thing, the, the podcast has, has really kind of kept I me. Mean, you say, you know, you've been lucky to be doing writing. I've been really lucky to be able to, to, to be able to do this podcast because it's kept me talking to different people, interesting creatives and, you know, having really nice chats with people. So that's kept me kind of distracted and, and I make a point of sort of swerving the news. That's something that I try yeah. not to get stuck into. And it's good for you to know as well, like po- podcasts and music mm. have been something that I have just absolutely banned out. Yeah, yeah. And what has been nice is that probably not, for my children, but like when I told them that I was doing this podcast, we immediately started talking about music. And um, my children are into their music, you know, of course, all everyone's into their music. But um, so to just like play them the songs that I've been talking about, or even like um, I played my son, um, my youngest son, um, Azido DeBase, Doom's Night, the other night. Right. And uh, mom used to go out dancing to this. And I could see him looking at me like, no, you didn't. You were never. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, think it was like ten to ten, as if I went out dancing to Azido de Base in China White, as if I did that. <laughs> do you think it's ever possible that like your kids are going to think you're cool? Because I think the more you try and sort of say like, "Oh yeah, I used to do that," like I think I don't know. My kids just like, yeah, all right, whatever. And it's yeah. like I just think... I had one tiny moment recently where. Um, my eldest, um, who definitely doesn't think I'm cool at all, maybe the youngest slightly <laughs> more so, but he he and I were talking about music and we were talking about, um, you know, great, our favourite rap songs. <laughs> our favourite rap songs. <laughs> I put forward... <laughs> I put forward... <laughs> um, I said... Um, have you heard Mural um, by Lupe Fiasco, which is like one of my favourites? And he was like, no. And then sort of played it and I could see he was like, yeah, that's pretty good. And that was it. That was it. I was like, I'm taking it. I'm having it. It's that's my your one snippet. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, before I ask the first track question, I've just realised that the what, what light we had has just gone down. I'm literally starting to sit in darkness. I'm just going to switch the light on. So Can two I turn sets. my light on as well? Is it, does it look dark? No, you look fine. I'm, but I can see that I'm literally going grey. <laughs> I think maybe it is a bit dark on me, but dark is probably better. That's better. If I start to get dark, you let me know. Okay, no problem. Right, Rebecca, track yeah. one. The song with the greatest ever intro, please. I mean... Surely everyone says how hard all of this is. <laughs> this is um, the one, bizarrely, that everyone says is the hardest one. Yeah, it's Roads by Portishead. <sighs> what a record that is. I mean, I could, I could reenact it for you now and how it makes me feel. <laughs> what, by the <laughs> aunt? Uh, by... <laughs> 
Sorry. That's a first and I'm loving it. Leave in my house. <laughs> um, I will go for the live version though. Really? Mm, like, because they put the live album out, I think, like maybe album three from, no, I don't know if you ever seen, you can see the concert, it was an MTV thing and she's just slumped over the mic with a ciggy on and like, oh, so cool. It's just so cool and brilliant and I had a real moment with, with Beth because well I didn't at all and she won't know that but um I didn't see them uh well I was 19 when when Dummy came out and I'd never heard anything like it you know I, I loved R&B and I sort of was that was the music that I liked growing up um I did have a very 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 brief bross moment but I, I'm just going to really smooth over that and pretend that that never happened it was it was so brief was it brief um, enough that you had gross tops on your on your shoes i think the line's gone dodgy yeah <laughs> yeah i did yeah and i wore um a kerchief and white t-shirt tucked into my jeans as did. well it was very brief so anyway we'll just let's get back to poison because that makes me sound so much better um yeah when that album came out i just never heard anything like it and i think i don't think i think numb was the first release is that right uh but you hear that first no um hang on no glory box was the first single was it yeah right that yeah that's the first one i heard but then when i heard roads when i bought the album and what really guts me is that i had the vinyl the original vinyl i don't know where it is now i bought it again yeah now i got it again um but yeah just the first time i heard it particularly that and it's just so emotional it's just so emotional and then there's this just like that drop I'm not very musical so I won't say it right but that drop before she starts singing so yep. you've got that sort of that bit that just pulls you in and then it just does that drop and then she starts singing and her voice is so fragile it's so big and but fragile and it just anyway I went to see them I didn't see them until I was 39 nearly 40 and um I'm quite short, I'm like five foot, so gigs are not great for me, but festivals are, are really good for me because I can stand at the back yeah. and, and see clearly. Because if you put me at the front, just forget it, I can't see anything. Um, so I was quite far back, but just, and I just, they had this David Cameron um, image with lasers coming out of his eyes. That's right. And um, uncompromising, as they always are. Um, and yeah, and when Rhodes, particularly Rhodes, when that, started the intro i think that's you know it's just that's why i've chosen it because the first time i heard it how the album hasn't changed for me over the years at all it just it just sounds as fresh as it did when i first bought it and it m- means the same to me um but yeah they were incredible and 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 the rip which is probably my favorite portishead tune even though i chose the intro of roads um from their third album she uh beth was doing a note in the middle of a song and then i heard this other uh singer and it was a harmony and it was tom york and i was just like it was just one honestly one of the biggest moments of my life just just that band and and radiohead colliding together and i'd never never seen either of them and um yeah and you know that that long note that's on loop in, in the rip 
and he so he joined in with it but she said at the towards the end I think she was just about to do the last number um I can't remember what it was actually I remember them sound checking in the morning and hearing machine gun when I was having my coffee in the morning and running across the festival um hardly anybody was up and the festival was just waking up and just hearing machine gun and running to the stage just to like see if I could catch a glimpse of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she said before she did her final song, thank you so much. She was so full of humility and she was so, she said, oh, I was really, really nervous. And I was just like, what, 25 years and you're that talented and you've done that much and you're still nervous. And it made me, cause, cause I get more nervous as I get older, for sure, like, you know, with a lot of things and to hear somebody that I've sort of looked up to for so long and just thought was so perfect, really, in her delivery and and in every way, sort of how they are politically, how they conduct themselves, how they don't give a shit, really. And for her to say, I, you know, it's, it's scary for me to come out here and do this. It just made me go, wow, that's amazing. Okay. Um, I just want to touch on something which I normally sort of get onto a little bit later. Um, are, are you, was you growing up? Was you a confident person? Because you've chosen a, a, a career in you know where, where you're putting yourself in front of people, uh, and you know, and it's a it's a, a very difficult career to to achieve the success um, that, that that so many you know creatives you know want, and I just think. You know, I I couldn't do what 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 you know when I go to you know theatre or you know watching TV and stuff. It's like oh, I couldn't do that, and and I just wondered like did, you know was you always confident or was you? Well, I think I had the duality of being confident but being a real warrior. Like I was a massive warrior when I was a kid. I've I've struggled with sleep, particularly the last fifteen years. I've had quite bad insomnia, um, but my sleeping wasn't great. So I had this duality of. Um, of being confident and performing, but feeling quite nervous as well. And that it's like the nerves have sort of grown with me. I I think that does happen to a lot of us. I've got early menopause as well. Um, So that certainly has like the beginning before I knew that I had it, I was so anxious. Um, But yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely been something that I've been played with this, this nervousness. Um, and yeah, I was I was a, a warrior um, when I was a kid. And honestly, I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't think I could go back on stage now. Really? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> my agent would be very pleased about that. No, I don't. I don't think I could. I don't think I could. Okay. Well, we'll pick back up on uh, on your career uh, shortly. But for track two, I'm going to ask you. Uh, Rebecca, Should I put my light on, by the way. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. Is it getting dark? It's all right. But yeah, you can put your light on if you want. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ted's like, what are we doing? Where are we going? <laughs> Not too bright now. Uh, honestly, we, we, we're talking about Rebecca's dog that's sitting sitting behind her. But do you find like even if I like move my hand, if my dog's on the sofa with me, like literally the ears are up. Like, what's going on? Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me. Um, Rebecca, what was the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Please, Judy Garland. Zing went the strings of my heart. Everything Judy Garland. My grandma was like mad about Judy Garland, so so therefore I was, and I spent a lot of time with my grandma. My mum was really like mad about Judy Garland as well. But again, a similar thing to what I, I love about Beth and all my favourite singers over the years, female singers, um, was just the the fragility, which obviously I didn't recognise then as a child, but something I connected with something in her, um, and. Yeah, that one. It, I think it was. There are some. There's some key changes in it that sort of do that thing. You know, that thing that makes you feel sad, even though it's a happy song. Yeah. And and it was that. And I think it's the emotion that she puts into it as well, because obviously now you, we know there was so much going on with her. Yeah. But you could. I mean, there's a. She sang it when she was really young, and then obviously she sang it throughout her career. She was sort of forced to sing over and over again. Um, and so there's a version of her doing it when she's younger and then there's a version of her doing it which is toward you know towards the end and and I'm 45 now and I think she was 47 48 when she died and just just I remember thinking when I was young my grandma saying to me oh she died really young and I was like no she didn't she's really old <laughs> <laughs> I'm now nearly that age yeah and um, and it's just that 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 like I say that just that there's a, just a quality about how she sounds that is so um, searing and just so honest. And there's just so much in there. It's packed with stuff. So, yeah, Judy Garland's all the way. What was the emotion you got listening to that? Um, It's the melancholy in it, you know. There's just the... So even though the lyrics are... um, Skies made me feel blue again. I mean, I can't do quite a good impression of Judy Garland. I'm not going to do it now because... um, you might lose all your listeners, but um, <laughs> the words are really upbeat. Um, but keep repeating through and through, I love you, love you. And it's the sort of way, it's almost, it's like the notes going slightly lower than you think they're going to go. I mean, as I say, I'm not musical, so I don't know why I'm dissecting <laughs> Judy Garland, but it was just something resonated with me 
And that was a song that I really remember being a child really loving. And now I look back on Little Me um, and think, oh, that's, you know, you're being a warrior, like I said as well, that to me, I think that was the hook for me. You mentioned melancholy and, you know, we've already spoke about Portishead and Radiohead. Um, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> like, but, but I'd, I'd just like to ask, like, if you're having a, a day where you're feeling a bit blue, um, do you reach for the best of steps or, you know, are you happy to, to sling on, you know, Radiohead and, and, and you know, and, and immerse yourself in that emotion for a bit? And, and... That is a, such, a, that's such a good question, actually. I, I'm, I'm both. I'm a Gemini, so I, I'm both. Not that I really believe in Star Science, I don't know why I said that. Um, so I'll go, I mean, my my band that cheers me up and can pull me out of stuff is Destiny's Child. Okay. Um, Freak and Dress by Beyonce, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I can also really want to really sort of embrace it as well. It just depends on who's around me, I, I guess, as well. Um, obviously, I've had some some low days within this last within this period sure. i do feel like i try more to reach for destiny's child um than i do for jeff buckley yeah. um, now yeah it's it's better for me but um i do like to indulge in i don't know radiohead sort of experimental albums yeah yeah absolutely and and just Talking about when you know you would have heard Julie Garn like growing up and that where, where was growing up? So I was born in Morley near Leeds, um, and then I lived there until I was five. Then we moved to York. Um, we were in York for a few years. Then we moved back to Leeds. And my grandma was um, in Morley. No, she was in Gildersum. Um, and then when I was thirteen, moved to Manchester. Uh, lived in Manchester from 13 to 16, and then I moved to London when I was 16 on my, on my own. Wow. I mean, a couple of questions um, on that then. Um, moving around a fair few times, you know, at school, I presume that meant changing schools. I actually didn't change schools um, when... So I went to middle school, which is... Um, in in York, I went to middle school. I don't I don't think we do that here. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that's um, a northern thing or. I've heard of it, but I've I've not seen it in in this neck of the woods. Right. So I went. Yeah. So I was going to a school in Leeds, and then when we lived in Pudsey, and then when uh, my mum got a job in Manchester, we. Um, it was really an important job and it sort of changed our lives financially and all sorts. And she'd been out of work for a long time. So um, doing lots of different jobs, but as an actor, she got this job. And so we moved to Manchester and I traveled to school in Leeds every day for two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. And so to give that some, some context there, like your mum's Beverly Callard and I'm presuming you're talking about her getting the job in Corrie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and how did that impact on, you as a kid um I mean it's not it certainly wasn't like it would be now yeah because there was no social media um I guess I knew my mum was always sort of working here and there and 
doing lots of different jobs. So I knew that she, it's something that she really needed and she really wanted and she really deserved. She's actually an incredible actress. My mom, I'm not saying that anyone said she's not, but I think if you're in a soap for a long time, people see you in a certain way and, you know, of different things. Um, She'd been in Corrie before she'd been in Emmerdale. So I knew that's what she wanted very much um it highlighted you a bit at school but I was already acting I was a child actor um so and I went to a school that had a performing arts course in each year there was like 30 of us that did performing arts so um now I'm talking about leads I've gone like so um uh yeah so I guess people weren't it wasn't as surprising as it as it could have been and and I didn't get much I didn't get much shit about it um because I think you know everyone wanted to be well a lot of kids that I hung out with wanted to be performers and stuff so okay well let's let's talk school because for track three uh I'm going to ask you uh the song that reminds you of your time at school please it's Buffalo Stance by Nana Cherry get in what a record so good and I, I, I was saying to you when I messaged you like I played it to my youngest who is 13 and he is digging it he's yeah. like this is a bop he's playing it all the time and I'm going in in the morning like with a cup of tea and I'm like gigolo and he's like huh <laughs> <laughs> wonderful <laughs> <laughs> oh what a record I mean that just I instantly just think when I hear that I just picture Top of the Pops I picture her man child Big pregnant I belly. It's just as massive yeah. as Buffalo Stance, if not more. And the only reason I didn't pick it is because I don't know. I think it was just a little bit late. It was like a year later, wasn't it? Mm. Six months later, something like that. And I just like Buffalo Stance was so, everything about it and the way she looked, yeah. how her aesthetic, that front cover of that album. Oh. I played that album to death. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, isn't it? When you haven't listened to an album for a while and then you're like, I know all the words still. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you then. And, and just like a, a, a fascinating kind of story to get where she got there. Like she was, I watched a documentary at the beginning of lockdown about the band, the slits and, and like even way back, like kind of post punk times, she went on tour with them when like her, her parents let her go on tour with them when they were like, when she was like 14 and she was getting up on stage with these bands. And obviously she'd come from, I think a, 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 was it a dad's Don Cherry, the, 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 the musician. And yeah, kind of, and, and she was tied up. We mentioned Portishead and that whole kind of Bristol scene. She was involved yeah. with a wild bunch and massive and, and, and all of them down in there as Did well. Jeff Barrow do, Jeff Barrow worked with her. I yeah. Think, at some point. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I mean, Jeff Barrow's still, you know, putting out, you know, incredible records. He's, he's signed an art. Have you heard Beak, any of Beak stuff? Beak? No, I haven't. So Jeff Barrow's uh, got this other band, Beak, and also he's, obviously, he does amazing scores for films and stuff, but Beak did the score for this film called Couple in a Hole, um, which Kate Dickey's in, um, that I saw with Smiley, actually, Michael Smiley. Yeah. We saw it at a film festival, and it is I mean, it is a devastating film. Like, don't watch it, like, unless, you know, you're, you're ready, like, steal yourself. But Jeff Barrow and Beak did the music, the music for that, and he, his work is just continues to be astonishing, really. He's yeah. just 
Absolutely. He's some an artist called um, Billy No Mates, which... Uh, yeah. Oh, inc- that comes out like, yeah. today or week or something. Like, yeah. uh, album's incredible. And, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's definitely a, a, a really exciting artist to, to check out. Um, just sort of touching on school, did you enjoy it? No. <laughs> what, didn't you, what didn't you like about school? I don't... Well, I, was, I'm not, I wasn't very academic. I was doing work so I was always behind I was I don't know how I maintained top sets and then managed to fail I mean I got a U in GCSE maths um which is a great one for my kids who are like really you want me to work hard yeah you didn't (laughs) um I you know I did I think I scraped by with like um four GCSEs which is what I needed to go to college I went to college in Manchester for a year um but no, it wasn't, I didn't really, I didn't really like school. I didn't really like being told what to do. Um, and I, I found the dynamics of, um, I was never, I, I was in the cool gang, I would say, but I was the least cool by far. <laughs> so that is not a good place to be. Yeah. You know, like, everyone was nice to me. I didn't, I didn't have any, any shit or anything like that, but Yeah. Did you, I was sort of like, did you know what you wanted to be? Did you want to be an actress when you was at school? Yeah, so my first job, acting job, was when I was eight. Um, and I did a couple of films and a couple of series and stuff when I was younger. And then I did a thing called Children's Ward. Oh, wonderful. Paul Abbott wrote. Um, mm. And then, yeah, so I was already acting. I mean, it was sort of one of those things that I was doing it so young that actually, you know, it, I was just doing it, whether it was a choice or not. Yeah, um, and then when I was sixteen, the reason why I moved to London on my own is because I got a show called The Borrowers, and that my plan was to come back, but I just never came back from London because of of work. And then, you know, as time went on, like auditions were always in London, even if you were filming up north and stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, and then I had my boys here. And I mean, how was that at sixteen, moving to London on your own? Well, I, you know, when you talk about confidence and stuff like that, I think that was really around the time when my confidence was like, um, I wasn't intimidated by it at all. I'd, be, I'd come to London with my mum when I was younger for auditions and stuff, and I'd looked at Leicester Square and Piccadilly Circus and thought, yeah, I'm going to live there. Um, the, you know, the tacky bits. Um, and, uh, and so I, I sort of felt like that I needed to be there. Um, I wasn't intimidated. I did spend a lot of money on cabs. Yeah. Um, and uh, if I hadn't done that, I'd probably have a bigger house. And, <laughs> um, you know, until I got used to the tube. But it was fine. I lived, I, I shared a flat with two ladies that lived there, friends of my mum's or friends of friends of my mum's. I then shared a house with um, an actor that was in the borrowers with me and um, a couple of his friends. Then I lived in a shared house in Crouch End, and I got my own place in Crouch End. It just like, and before you know it, so my big, yeah, my big clubbing years were all in um, London because I was here from yeah. such an age. Well, before we get on to, to, to clubbing and stuff, um, I just want to ask you. I, I touched on whether you was, you know, your confidence and stuff like that, and you've chosen a, you know, a, a field of work that is, you know. Uh, very very sort of sought after and 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 you know and difficult to to get where you know so so many you know actors want to get to aside from confidence are you driven 
That's that's such a good question. I, I don't know. I think maybe I, I think I'm not, but I must be because in terms of like, you know, my career, I don't really have much choice about how much I work. It, well, I don't have any choice in my career. But, you know, I am a jobbing actor. I absolutely am. There's There's no question about that. But in terms of like my writing now, I guess that must have come from a drive somewhere because I wrote my first play when I was 39 um, and uh, it won sort of an award. Um, and now I've got a writing career. So out of not doing it to just decide that I was going to do it and, and really sort of like push through finishing the play, because that's hard, you know, finishing a play is, is the hardest thing. And now I've suddenly sort of got this writing career. So I must be, I suppose I must be. Okay. Um I just want to ask you now, before we get on to clubbing, um, for track four, the first song you remember buying, please, Rebecca. (laughs) How gleeful did you say that? Oh, I'm so happy for this one. (laughs) I really wanted to choose, like, Grace Jones or something. I did used to dance around the front room with my mum to pull up to the bumper and, like, uh, um, Yazoo and stuff, but... I would play all my mum's records. Yeah, you, record. you've just got all the cool ones out of the way. Just, just cut to the chase. Come on. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Um, so, uh, pinning it down, it, I think it was um, Nightmare on My Street by Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Which was um, about Freddy Krueger. Um, it was actually not used in the fourth Kr- Freddy Krueger film as was hoped um and i don't know why because it's an excellent rap um my favorite line being uh <laughs> something like it's burnt like a wiener or something like that and then it goes he wears the same hat and sweater every single day and even if it's hot outside wears it anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's true he wears it anyway he's in hell like it doesn't matter how hot it is He's in hell already. Oh, wonderful. What a record. I mean... What a cool customer I am. I, uh, I, I had a little look at the video last night. Uh, oh, it's not good. Is it? It's not. <laughs> it's, oh, it's fucking terrible. I don't remember. The video I don't remember. Yeah. I think, that, yeah, the video I don't remember, what happens in it? Mm. Not a lot. It's just Will Smith just having a rap on the back seat of a car. Um, yeah, I just... But you touched on something when when you sent me the songs over. So you must have been quite a fan of Kruger. I loved Freddy Kruger. I had a Freddy Kruger cutout, life-size cutout. My terrapins were called Freddy and Kruger that I kept in my bedroom. I loved him. I was obsessed with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know whether that's better or worse with that which I'm, I'm trying to do my own ring light with my iPad here. Um, and my mum used to hide it around the house to try and scare me. And we had this house in Pudsey where we lived. Um, you went straight into the front room and then there was sort of like a little dining room and a kitchen, but then there was a door and the stairs were behind the door. Do you know what I mean? Those, yeah. those stairs that are within a door. Um, and I remember going to bed one night and I'd open the door and she put Freddy Krueger at the top and, and as the waft of the door opened, Freddy Krueger fell down and it was sort of my whole childhood was my mum putting Freddy Krueger in different places to scare me. I mean, that's terrifying. We're talking about one of the big cardboard ones that you'd sort of see in the video shop when a new film come out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> things like that. 
And, I, and the weird thing is, I was only like 12 or 13 when I was watching all those films. And if you watch them now, they're so violent. Yeah. Like, I would never let my kid... I was... My son and I had... Uh, my youngest son and I had a bit of a horror week run up to Christmas because yeah. we thought, hey, let's be festive. And um, we were watching all these horror films. And I'd been so worried about, you know, they were all, you know, they were all sort of age-appropriate. Um, but, like, the idea of watching Freddy Krueger... Which was an eighteen. It's so violent. Yeah, like. yeah. Like, I, I remember, like one of my mates got like a, a pirate copy of that, and it was like, and it kind of sort of got passed around, and we was all like, we're going around blah blah blahs like uh, tomorrow afternoon, like we can watch Nightmare on Elm Street, and we thought we was being so badass. And I remember going around, and we was all acting like super tough that we weren't going to be scared of it. None of us really said a word for the whole film. I think we was all absolutely petrified. <laughs> It's really, it's really scary. I mean, it, they get less scary and more silly. Yeah. I really, really remember the significance of that yellow school bus, but I don't think that was until Freddy 3 or something like that. But, yeah, yeah I, was, I was really into horror films. There was also a chain of horror films called House. Um, Just like to point out, that was my first Certificate 15 film I got into. Was it? Yep, just before I got my national insurance card. Didn't need it. Just walked straight in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, and I still really like horror films now. Although, uh, weirdly, I've got a bit of a... Um, they also really scare me as well, and I don't sleep for days, so I'm sort of getting... Le- I've got to really be careful because I just don't sleep when I watch them. I mean, I don't really sleep anyway, but sort of like recent ones that keep have kept me up and stuff. It's not as fun as it used to be. We were, I watched one um, just before Christmas with Michael Sheen in, and it was... I can't think what it was called, and it was kind Does of... Is it the uh, it's a bit like the Wicker Man, that kind oh, of apostle. Fucking yeah. hell! Jan Stevens and yeah, yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Oh my god, that was one that I kind of sort of got into bed, turned the lights off, and my eyes were just still like bolt open, just thinking, "Christ, that was terrifying." Yeah. Well, it, yeah. So I watched a couple with my son, and he didn't find them scary at all. Yeah. And he'd seen it. All his friends had seen it. He wanted to watch it, and and I was like, "This is going to traumatize you." Are you going to be okay? And he was just like, night, mum. And I was like, any minute now, I'll be walking in. I'll be like, hey, no more horror films for you. Not bothered at all. Not bothered. I guess they're just exposed to more now, you know, because I guess, you know, in that kind of sort of Snapchat and uh, TikTok and all of these things, it's just so fast paced and it's not really monitored in any way, is it, what goes on there? And, yeah, I dread to think what my, my, my kids are exposed to on them things half the time. And it is like, you know, because for us to see something, you know, I'm older than you, I'm 47. But, you know, like I say, like, I didn't see House until I was 15. And, you know, because that was the only time I could get into the cinema to see it. And it's like, you kind of, like, I, I guess you'd occasionally cool. get the, the pirate copy that would get passed around. Yeah, I saw it on video. I didn't see it at the cinema. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, but I guess, yeah, you just everything now is just on phones and and things like that so i guess maybe kids have just got a higher tolerance of horror and things like that although with my older one i've watched a couple of the older ones and he finds them quite creepy he does find them creepy like we watched halloween and we watched um uh the shining and he said he's he got the creepiness of them which is good that they're not like what is this because you know there's no sort of like 
cheap scares and stuff in them. It's yeah. real like this is going to ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the shining that get in your head. There's no avoiding that one. Yeah, like. I mean the thing that he really noticed about the shining, my eldest, is the soundtrack, which I was really like. He just found it so terrifying. Those big boomy noises. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, let's talk about some big booming noise. Um, <laughs> great tenuous link there. Um, track five, Rebecca, the song that soundtrack your year's clubbing, please. Honestly, I cannot tell you how, like, this, no, it's this, no, it's this, no, it's this. So I've gone with... Um, Black Hole of the Sun mm-hmm. by uh, the Rotary Connection version. Mm-hmm. Um, because that has been a, a constant, actually, through all my ages of, of clubbing, all my different years and phases, and that has been a constant, I guess because of the places I go and the music I like. Um, uh, the first time I heard that was at Bar Rumba. And I do really love the new Eureka Soul version as well because I love the Jocelyn Brown sort of element yeah. of it. And um, but yeah, that is that was a constant from right at the beginning. So it's my last sort of clubbing days. I mean, it's not over. I mean, it is. It definitely is over at the moment. But it's not going to be over. You just wait. You'll be seeing me down <laughs> down Bar Rumba on my fiftieth. Um, so was that back when? Like was was Giles DJing then? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first moved to London as well, Giles Peterson was what I used to listen to. I think on a Sunday night, I can't remember whether it was Jazz FM and then there was Kiss FM. He, because Giles Peterson is the only person that I've ever been like insanely starstruck with. You know, I've met a lot of people in my industry that I've that I've really uh, worshipped over the years and, and got the opportunity to meet them. But Giles Peterson was the one that I was just like. Oh my God. I went to see the Heritage Orchestra and my friend introduced me to Giles Peterson and I was like, oh, Giles Peterson. <laughs> I'm a famous person. I'm a person. I just was like, and he put his hand out to me and I was like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I just couldn't, you know, sort of move into London and 
and having no friends here and making making a life here you know music for me was always that uh connection that you get to so um what year yeah. was this Rebecca like what year did you sort of get to, to London and start clubbing so I always uh well I I struggled clubbing because I looked a lot younger and I'm really short. So I looked about 10 when I was going clubbing, but sort of at 19 was because the first couple of years as well, I was working a lot. I was, I did, um, I was doing plays and stuff. So, but when I got, really got into, so it was all like, all like Aaliyah and stuff was really big and, and Portishead. Um, and yeah, so Bar Rumba, I then went to, um, so Giles Peterson used to play there, and James LaBelle as well, I think. And that's where I first heard um, Black Gold of the Sun. But he used to play it on his show anyway. Uh, Patrick Forge as well. Yeah. Um, so this would and, have been all the talking lad stuff and all the Mowak yeah. stuff and, yeah. Yeah. And, and even, like, so I even went through a period of really being into my drum and bass and going to the end. Yeah. Um, then there was a period, well, obviously they didn't play Black Gold of the Sun there, um, and I used to go raving in a bikini then, but hey, that's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. Um, um, but then there was a period where I went to this place called the Jazz Bar, B-A-H, which was in Leicester Square, and they used to play Black Gold of the Sun in there as well. Um, and then that moved, I think, the night moved to the Electric Ballroom in Camden, and it was like a tiny little room upstairs, mm-hmm. which played like, you know, music like that. And then... When I was sort of in my late 20s, and I had my 30th there as well, my friend Christine, who's an actress, um, Christine Adams, um, her and her husband, David, they used to run a night there called Salt, Soul of London Town, at this place called Positively 4th Street. And they used to play all those songs that we all loved there as well. So it's sort of like threads right through. Yeah. That's, well, that's why I chose it, because, you know, there's other, there's other big club tracks that, that mean a lot to me, but... Um, that one just was consistent throughout my my years of dancing. What did you want from a night clubbing? I did well. I didn't want to get pissed. Um, I wanted to dance. Um, I was a, I was training. To, I was a trained dancer when I was younger, and um, I mean, I probably was not very good at dance class, but I'm I'm pretty good on the dance floor. So, but yeah, not that, like I went to ballet, I did six hours of ballet on a, week, uh, on a Saturday and I did modern and tap and jazz and street dance and stuff like that. But when I went out, I wanted to dance and I wanted to dance fast. So yeah. R&B was good for that. Drum and bass was good for that. You know, um, house, like briefly sort of like I mentioned um, Gabriel by Roy yeah. Davis, that tune, that was such, you know, I just wanted to dance and I wanted to dance all night and I would go onto the dance floor and, and literally be there all night. Um, I, d- I wasn't interested in, in drink, uh, drinking. Well, I was interested in drinking, but definitely not when I went out dancing. Um, so yeah. And then I found this recently before, obviously before we went into lockdown, I found, I found an, a new R and B club night. So I was there with my mate Jane, who I used to go with right back when we were nineteen, sort of like two four year olds on the dance floor like Yep. We can still dance to A Marie. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> oh brilliant. Did you enjoy it? 
Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I can't do what I used to do, which is dance all night, and then, you know, you'd go for breakfast, you go balance. Don't know why I'm saying you go balance without the two. Um, you go you go to balance, or you'd, you know, go for breakfast or whatever after, and then, you know, you might not go to bed then. You might just, like, hang out with your mates all day or whatever, or, or go out the next night. How? Um, but, you know, now I'd be done at, like... I mean, the last time I went out dancing was for my friend Susie's birthday, that you know, in the New Year's Eve, obviously not this year. Um, and at 3.30, I was like, my balls are hurting. It's time to go. You know, my balls. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I went to see a gig just before lockdown, and it was a band that I, I grew up really liking. And, uh, and at the time, what, I mean, 45, I just thought, well, I'm going down the front, I'm having it. Like I'm, 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 and oh fuck's sake! I got that so wrong. I literally went down there. I think I lasted about a song, and then I think I tried to get it back to the bar. And I think at one point I had to stop and sort of almost take a knee just to kind of gather myself. <laughs> oh, it was shocking behaviour. Literally, then just sort of stood at the bar and thought, "Yeah, I might have to leave that back in the nineties." That one. You see, this is why I like festivals. I know people give people who go to festivals when they're middle-aged a bit of shit, but this is why I like festivals now, because I can stand at the back. I've seen quite a lot of acts that I've always wanted to see. So Porter said, I've seen Loyal Karna twice. I've seen Erica Badu, who I saw when I was younger. Um, I've seen Polisa, you know, all these great bands, but I've been able to have a, a hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Put my hot chocolate down if I want to. And then yeah. actually me and all my girls went to um me and all my girls went to Latitude a couple of years ago and it was New Order. Mm. Um and we all went mad when yeah. like mad and I saw like my friend Angela in her fifties um like giving it like, I've never seen her do those moves before and it was like yeah we you know um, and then we can go to bed in like half an hour. So I know what you mean. New Order would do that, though. I, yeah. I had I'm to... I'm going to um, uh, to Blue Monday with Bez. Just Say that again, out. sorry? I once danced to Blue Monday with Bez on stage. I'll send you the video. I'll send it to you. Just leave that out there. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I like that. Like, no, I'm completely. <laughs> um, I did have tickets to see... Uh, New Order, I think November last year, but yeah, it didn't happen. And I remember seeing them, I saw them at Finsbury Park um, in about two, 2000, and uh, and it was just incredible. And the people I was there with was like, why is he dancing like that? I was like, it's just what he does. Like, I was like trying to explain because the music was incredible and, and, and Hooky was still in the band then. It was great. and But Bernie was doing this weird kind of dancing. And I mean, I knew it, that's what he does. I mean, I, I love him. But like the people were like, why is he doing that? I was like, don't worry about that. It's just what he does. <laughs> I don't think he went to drama school to learn how to dance. Certainly <laughs> not. Um, well, let's take you home. Um, for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. So I've chosen Corinne Bailey Ray because she's from Leeds, like me, and she's brilliant. And I've chosen uh, I Want to Be Your Lover because Prince is probably... If you if you said to me, right, you've got to listen to one artist forever, it, it would probably be Prince. Um, 
I quite like the synchronicity of the fact that this single was released the year that she was born. Um, I, yeah, and it's just a beautiful cover. I'm not the biggest fan of Prince covers, but this one is just something really special. Her voice is really, really gorgeous. Um, And I think sometimes people, I listen to a podcast that she did recently. She's really, really interesting, humble, um, she's got such a beautiful speaking voice as well as a singing voice. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, there's so much more to her than, you know, the hits that we know, yeah. um, yeah. which, you know, every, every fan of hers will know that and every intelligent person will know that, but it's a really, really good cover. And it is really hard for me to have people cover prints. Uh, I'm a massive fan of, I went to see him when I first moved to London, actually, I went to see him twice, two nights in a row, I think. Um, and so I'm more a fan of the sort of erotic city and the dirty mind and head and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, it's a really beautiful version. I don't know if you've heard it. but I, When you sent your list over, I, I went and listened to it and I'd, I'd never heard her cover that before. And it's one of my favourite Prince songs as well. Uh, and she nails it and puts her own stamp on it as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think it's, it's really good. How, when did sort of Prince make a dent with you? I came to Prince quite late. I didn't, I, when I went to college in Manchester, um, I went to the same college as Maxine, actually, Maxine Peake. Um, and I was only there for a year because then I got, I got the borrowers. So I left. And, and went to London I did want to finish the course I mean I probably wouldn't have passed to be honest um and everyone was listening to well you had you know like like it always is you have like you know with Portishead you had your Britpop and your Portishead you know and your different sort of sections and um quite a few people were listening to Prince and so it was when the Diamond and Pearl album came out and so everyone was we had to do um you know, our, our pieces for our exams and stuff. And everyone was choosing Prince. And that, so that was the first I heard of Prince. And then, of course, I went back through everything. So it was around about, I was around about 16, 17. Yeah, when I, when I first sort of really started to listen to him. And then, I mean, Diamond and Pearl compared to everything else, it's just so different. Yeah. Um, and then I went to see him. He was with a new power generation then, and he was at Earl's Court, and I went two nights in a row to see him. Um, so it must have been the Diamond and Pearl tour. And then it's sort of, as I got older, that's when I got more into, like, his early stuff. Yeah. The first two albums. And Erotic City is probably my favourite song of all time. Really? I yeah, mean, I'll say that like I'm surprised. It's a cracker. It's an absolute cracker. Yeah. I love it. I nearly picked it for my intro, um, but I didn't. A lot of people have chosen Let's Go Crazy uh, for that. Really? Just yeah. because of that opening to that is, is, yeah. is incredible. Uh, well, when I was doing this, uh, the first series of Borrowers, that's when I was really into that album, actually. Um, and I really remember playing that in my, in my dressing room all the time and, uh, and um, around the world in a day. And, yeah, just like... I just absolutely love Prince. I just yeah. love Prince. My friend was, a few years ago, my friend Manjinda was going to have a Prince night at the Ephra in Brixton. And I can't remember why, but we never got round to it. And it's one of those things that I just think, you know, when this ends, it's, it's Prince night time. Yeah, 
What a great idea. Um, okay, well, for your last track, this is when uh, you're talking about putting on a night. This is uh, when you get to play DJ and, and turn someone onto something new. So for track seven, please, Rebecca, the song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Um, it's uh, Black Bull by Keely Forsyth. Um, I don't know whether you know Keely. She's. Um... I do. I do now um, because I I literally got lost in it last night. Um, a, a ridiculous voice, like just cuts you in half. I mean, Keely is one of my best friends. She is my son's godmother, and um, I met her on a job. Um, when we were, she was about 19, so it was a long time ago, over 20 years ago. Yeah, 20, over 20 years ago. And she's an actor as well. Um, and it's interesting what you were saying at the beginning about sort of being, you know, how has it been to, to try and create in all of this and stuff. But, you know, I went to see, Keely was the last um, gig that I went to see before lock, uh, lockdown. I think I saw her um, in Islington in, in January. Um, so I, I knew that Keely had a beautiful voice all these years because she's my friend. Um, and then, you know, when she started sending over her stuff with the album, it's just like the most extraordinary album. And for me, it's like the, her sound to bookend this, I guess, is like Judy Garland and Johnny Greenwood had a baby. That's, that's how to describe it. I don't know whether Keely would describe it like that. But I remember she sent, well... This is really uncool, and I think I really embarrassed her, but she was doing a gig, this gig, and uh, and because I'm short, I had to stand right at the front. And I said I said to my, my boyfriend and my girlfriend that came with, with us, I said, I'm, you know, not, I'm not going to cry. Um, but her voice makes me cry. And it makes me cry because she's so brilliant, and I feel an emotional connection to it. But also I know where she's been, what she's done, and the album came out when she was 40, you know, and that's quite unheard of, I think, really. Um, anyway, we were sort of standing at the front and then she sings this song called Look to Yourself, which is all about, like, look to yourself to find the answers. Beautiful message. And I just stood there and I cried my eyes out. And I was thinking, like, you're making this about you now. Just stop. But she was so, seeing her there on stage, she doesn't give shit either. She, you know, she's like Beth. She just doesn't give a shit. She just completely immerses herself in it. She doesn't care what she looks like. She just, just that, that haunting voice. And, um, yeah, so she, it got to that song and I was stabbing myself with my nails. Like, don't cry. And I was just openly weeping. <laughs> and she said to me, um, she said to me afterwards, oh yeah, one of the, she's she from Oldham. She's like, oh yeah, one of the, one of the band members was like, oh, there's a woman at the front, uh, bawling her eyes out. And she was like, yeah, it's my best mate. <laughs> She does that. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God, so embarrassing. But, yeah, the album, the album is incredible. And it's, it's you know, very different to what, a lot of the things that I listen to. But for me, actually, I had a moment um, when Keely's album had come out. And after the first lockdown, I think I was at, at the beach somewhere and I just put her album on and stood at the beach and looked at the sea and was listening to Keely and just like, wow, like, what she's achieved and... And it's really hard as well because now, you know, that we need we need the momentum for her because, you know, everything stopped. And that must be, you know, she, she would never sort of complain. She's the opposite of that, actually. Um, but, yeah, the album is extraordinary. And Black Ball is so beautiful. She wrote it, started writing it when she was in Spain. 
and then there's a moment in the song where you can hear her press the tape. Um, and when she originally when she originally recorded that, she sort of was recording it on tape. And she goes off to do something with her girl. She's got two girls, one of whom is my goddaughter, Betty. And um, she goes off to sort them out, and then comes back and carries on recording recording it. And that I love that. You know, like, yeah, I've got to do this now. You know, there's shit going on in my life. And then, you know, I'm a singer as well. And I'm a mum and, you know, I'm an actor, a jobbing actor. And I'm trying to, like, feed my kids and do all this stuff. And and just then sings with this sort of very Judy Garland-esque voice, actually. It's got that heavy vibrato that, I mean, I could talk about Keely in all day. And I'm just so proud of her. And just that song is just so beautiful. I love it. Well, people are going to get to hear it um, because I put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany today's chat, so people can go and listen to that and all the other songs that we've um, we, we, we've we've listed today and, and, and spoken about. They can go and listen to Will Smith as well, and uh... <laughs> or I could just do that like for you again if you want reprise. And even if it's hot outside, where is it anyway? <laughs> oh, wonderful! Um, well, look, we, we've we've started. Uh, 2021 and uh, and it, you know it started in a very strange place and and hopefully you know as the year unfolds it uh, it'll start to develop into a much nicer and freer place and, and and we'll find ourselves back being able to not have to do that weird elbow thing when you meet people you can go back to hugging people and stuff like that um what are you looking forward to you know in 2021 what you know what what's what's your hopes that this year's going to going to pan out like and, and what are you looking forward to it personally and and what are you what have you got coming up professionally so i've written a couple of episodes of a of a series it sounds so bizarre saying that like coming off coming out of my voice um sorry i'm going to pick you up on something there then you just said that and like and you almost sort of shrugged at like oh my god like i don't do that like the, you know, I've done this, but it's not really what I do. That's how it come across. Then, like, do do you get imposter syndrome at all? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I th- you know, I've been an actor my whole life, so yeah. I'm very, very used to it. A lot of nose, a lot of nose. Yeah, um, and they're still coming thick and fast. Those nose. So I. But that's the drive. Really- that's the drive that overrides that, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And also I, I've got to feed my kids. So if, I, if it's not working with acting or I, it's got to come from somewhere and, and I'm completely uneducated really, and I don't have any skills. So one thing I, I guess, maybe this is what's resonated and maybe this is why the writing has sort of so far been good um, is because I know scripts because I've read them my whole life. Yeah. Um, and no dialogue so yeah so I've written um I've written two episodes of a, se- a series two of Breeders um uh yeah and then um I'm developing my own show with Avalon now so I'm very excited about that and also I really would like to sort of get involved with like Keely for the score and scoring stuff and I've written a film and really want Keely to score that um with Ross who she works with and I've got another friend Amelia Warner who's um she does scoring as well. So like to collaborate with my mates and stuff like that and seeing my friends and I can't wait to take my kids to the sea. I cannot wait to stand on the beach with my children. Yeah. Wonderful. Look, it's been an absolute joy, Rebecca. 
uh, I've had so much fun talking records with you. And and just when you sent your tracks over at, like last night, I thought this is going to be a, a good natter, and uh, and it, and it really was. So thanks so much for your thank time. Thank you so much for having me. This is <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever done. So thank you. <laughs> Oh, it's been delightful. Thank you so much, Becca. And, and, and yeah, all the best with um, all the new stuff that you're writing. It sounds so exciting. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much. There you go. Love these ones where you just feel like you can just keep nattering. And uh, you know you've had a, a good guest when when you press stop and you still have another another natter for a bit. And that's exactly what happened there. And I hope you've got um, as much joy listening to that as I did um, having that conversation with Rebecca. Um, yeah, I'll be back again soon. In the meantime, uh, go and check out the back catalogue. Um, head over to Spotify and check out uh, all the tracks that uh, Rebecca spoke about today. And uh, and if you'd like to support the podcast, again, I mentioned that at the beginning, you can do that over on my Patreon page. Links to everything and all the information to all the back catalogue episodes and, and to, to be able to, uh, what's the word, subscribe to the future stuff um, because I put out sort of three or four episodes every week. So uh, subscribe's the best thing and they just pop up on your listening device without you having to worry about going looking for anything. Um, I'm on all the socials. So if you see us on there, give us a follow, a like, love, share, retweet. And uh, that's it. I'll leave you alone there. Thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks once more to Rebecca and I'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey,